Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another Ars Blog Arscast on arsblog.oleole.com. There may be no football, but we've got lots going on. Amy Lawrence is here to talk about everything and there's other stuff too. Don't go away. Hello and welcome to another Arscast on arsblog.oleole.com. I uh, hope we find you well this Friday morning or whenever it is you happen to actually be listening to this. Uh, it is, of course, a week when there is no Arsenal. We have international football to keep us going, but, you know, it's just not the same thing. It's like uh, if you were a heroin addict, for example, and someone said, instead of heroin this weekend, I'm going to give you a Milky Way. And you're thinking, no, I need to chase the dragon. I need to get some of that golden brown. Instead, you're giving me a chocolatey treat with a fluffy inside that won't ruin my appetite between meals. It's just not the same thing. However, however, we'll struggle on. Uh, Coming up on this week's show, uh, we've got Amy Lawrence, who'll be here to talk about Sunderland and tactics and our team and and why things aren't going the way we would hope them to go uh, so she'll be here in just a few minutes time to talk about all that as well as that we've got a player history of sorts i think and a brand new feature which is so brand new i'm keeping it top secret oh yes i am yes i won't even tell you the name of it you'll just have to wait until you hear it uh beer of the week this week is um uh, it's just stella stella artois Artois, Stella Artois, uh, which is fine because you go around to the supermarket and you're getting something for dinner and a bit of bread and, and some milk because you need milk. And then you look and you say, oh, look, 24 bottles of Stella for, for nineteen ninety nine. And I'd like to think that I have some amount of willpower, but at the same time, that's a reasonable bargain. This is Ireland we're talking about, and this is recession times we're in. One has to take stock and... and you know, I can't quite bring myself to buy Mingeheimer or whatever the beer they have in, in Aldi or Lidl. I just can't quite do it yet. Yet. Yet, I say. But Stella Artois, 24 bottles for nineteen ninety nine. That's all right. I'm not arguing with that. So uh, that's what the beer of the week uh, this week is. And, um, yeah, I've had a few this evening, I have to say, because, uh, well, the blog father was over here for his dinner earlier, and that was... A, what time did we start? Five o'clock, and it's now quarter past ten. And one would think I had, you know, some amount of preparation done in order that I wouldn't be sitting here at this time of night having to record an cast. When, in fairness, I would much rather be sitting downstairs in the armchair, this cool recliner armchair that goes, 
and it's so cool, and you you go back in it in front of the fire, and there's this cool program on about all these people that fall asleep all the time. It's on Channel Four. It's all about these narcoleptics. It's brilliant. And she's saying, oh, this is a terrible thing for me. I just can't, you know, it's awful. My life is terrible. And the reason it's so terrible is... And they just fall asleep like that. It's mad. But I have it recorded, so I'll I'll watch it then. But I wouldn't mind watching it now. But anyway, the sacrifices I make for you, the Arse Blog, Arse Cast listener. Here I am upstairs recording and talking complete shite uh, when I could be downstairs, which I'm not, and I'm here. And I think probably at this stage you would wish I was um, down there rather than here. Uh, Sunderland. Yeah, since the last Arscast we played Sunderland. And whoo, that was fun, wasn't it? Well, not really. Um, the first half was was rubbish, kind of rubbish. Sunderland should have probably been ahead, given the fact that we made life a, a bit easier for them than um, than it should have been. Uh, Theo Walcott nearly gifting them a goal. And anyway, second half, well, that was also rubbish. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we played this four five one, and we don't necessarily have the players to play that four five one. Um, and uh, Sunderland were were defensive; they were Johnny defensive. They were getting everybody behind the ball, and you know they wanted a point from the game, and and that's what they got. They nearly got the three. In fairness, Alex Song caught on the edge of the box, and your guy Leadbitter uh, cracked one into the top corner, which is um, yeah, it's becoming a bit too um, habitual. Habitual is not the right word, but you know what I mean. It's happening too often against us. Why do we let these people have such um, time to make shots? Why aren't we kicking them in the leg and the knees and the balls and things? That's the way defending should be. You should make it difficult for people to crack shots into the top corner. But no, we sort of stand back and I I think next time it happens, we might even applaud. Bravo, says Danielson. Oh, rather, that's a very, very good shot indeed. Yes, what do you think, Alex Song? Yes, it's a very, very good shot. Yes, it's fantastic. Well done to you, sir. Fuck that. Just run at them. Run at them and scream and shout, Jinx, Jinx! Because that's what always happens to me in five-a-side. If you shout Jinx more often than not, it puts them off. That's what they should be doing. Uh, But anyway... um, yeah, what was I going to say? Yeah, a late goal from Sesk rescued a point when we could have been on our way to our third defeat in just seven games, and that would have been, like, really, it would have been poo. It was poo anyway. And this would have been, like, sitting down on the toilet and having a big old poo and going, oh, I wonder what the texture and consistency of that poo was like, and, and looking down, as men do. We, we do look down. We We check. Our stools, ladies, I'm sorry about this. But we do check. And then looking down and seeing uh, tapeworms or worms, or not even worms, worms the size of caterpillars. Or remember that film? What was that film? Where they came up from the earth. Was it critters? Something like that? Imagine something like that in your poo. That's what the Sunderland game was like. A Cesc Fabregas header from a corner. What a header it was. That was the kind of goal that Vieira would have scored, or Tony Adams, or... Or somebody over five foot seven tall. But it was Sesk that did it. And Sesk is my hero. He really is. He's the man. He is about the only player in this team that really fucking hates to be beaten. The rest of them, I'm sure they don't like losing, but the, the rest of them, oh yeah, well, we lose. Oh, bummer. Still getting my money. Whereas Sesk is like, fuck this shit I ain't losing to someone like Sunderland. I'm getting in there, and I'm getting a header. 
I'm going to tower above everybody. I am Sisk. I'm five foot fucking seven or something, and I'm the one that's going to pop up in the, in the 94th minute with the header. That kind of desire and, and uh, unwillingness to lose. That if we had that through the rest of the team, we wouldn't have lost against Fulham and we wouldn't have lost against Hull. I can tell you that for sure. So well done to Sisk. Uh, during the game, of course, uh, people are, are are able to phone in their comments about the um, about the game as it's going on, and this was one of the phone calls. Mate, I'm sitting here watching this game against Sunderland, and I know it pains me to say this, but the worst player on that pitch today has been Sisk. He's given the ball away. His shots have been weak. He's off the pace. He's not tracking his his man. While it's oh, man, we look like we didn't. Have- Eighties, that's for sure. Oh, and I know where he's coming from. I yeah, you know how could we? How could we not look at that performance? And then, then this phone call came in. What was I talking about? Sesk is amazing. Fuck me, mate. I'm a fucking idiot. Don't listen to a word I say ever again. Not that you do anyway. <laughs> that did make me laugh. I have to say. So Sesk rescues the point, and uh, yeah, it could have been worse. We could have had no points and three defeats after seven games and mayhem. But anyway, um, we didn't lose. And we've only got two defeats after seven games. Woo! Fantastic. Anyway, to talk a bit more about Sunderland and everything else that's going on at the moment, who better than Amy Lawrence, who knows everything there is to know about Arsenal? Um, Hi, Amy. How are you? Uh, I'm good, thanks very much. Now, um, Arsenal came very close to losing their third game of the season um, last weekend against Sunderland. Only a very late goal from Cesc Fabregas saved the day. Uh, we've fallen victim, I suppose, to a, a couple of really brilliant goals. Ledbetter's goal was fantastic. Giovanni's goal was, was brilliant. Maybe they can't repeat those again. But um, how worried should Arsenal fans be, if they should be worried at all, about the way the team is dropping points this season and, and not responding to the disappointments in the way that Arsene Wenger would expect them to? Well, I think this is the great frustration of this current team in its current state of being, is that it's such a Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, anybody who watched the Hull game and then the Porto game and then the um, Sunderland game saw the team fluctuate from, you know, ridiculous to sublime to ridiculous again in the space of eight days. And that's, I think, what is so difficult to come to term, terms with, not just for fans, but probably for Arsene Wenger and the players as well, because it's so baffling. You think, oh, how can the team on its day really look capable of beating anybody extremely well um, and playing some terrific football and being very entertaining? Uh, just a, a matter of days on either side of it, you know, like a team that could lose to anybody. Mm. Um I think particularly the Sunderland performance was a real uh, reality check because anybody can get a freak. You know, freak games happen to anybody in, in, in any country, in any season, and that's just life. And you could have put the whole game down as a freak, you know, partly because of that goal. Um, although, actually, if you analyse it really as a 90-minute performance, it wasn't particularly a freak because Hull played extremely well. and It wasn't like they... When West Ham won to become the only team to win at Emirates, you know, they had one shot and Arsenal had 723 shots or whatever it was, but that was a freak result. The whole game wasn't a freak result, and unfortunately it's symptomatic of some of the problems that dogs this team, and it was the same 
situation uh, at the Stadium of Light. And what's worrying is that the team can be so flat. There's no real excuse or, or explanation for being flat when you're only six or seven weeks into the season, when everybody should be quite enthusiastic, um, quite fit, hopefully not feeling too many knocks or too much fatigue. So there's there's a massive sort of spark issue that is uh, troubling the team um, because everybody knows that when they feel like it and the spark is lit, that Arsenal can comfortably give anybody a game. Mm. So it's very weird just to be... be jumping from one extreme of performance to another. Okay, we'll we'll, um, come back to that in a minute, but maybe uh, the manager didn't make life easier for the team, I suppose, uh, by playing the the way he did at at Sunderland. I think he expected Sunderland to be more attacking. He went with a 4-5-1, and I think I said in the blog that I'm not sure we have the players necessarily to do that. Um, did we show Sunderland too much respect? Why didn't we go there and play our normal sort of four-four-two with the two strikers up top? Um, was he more worried about not losing the game than winning the game? The great John Giles once said to me, "If uh, tactics never won a football match, players win football matches," and he's absolutely right. And okay, you can't dismiss tactics out of hand, but basically, had the team played well enough and had the individuals played well enough, it doesn't matter if if Arsenal had gone up there and played 4-4-2, 4-5-1 or 3-6-0. I mean, it, 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 the players on the pitch were good enough when they were on their day to have beaten that Sunderland team. Mm. That's a fact. So you have to analyse why they didn't play to anywhere near their level of potential. What Fortunately, with certain players in the team, it's becoming a bit of a habit where, you know, you look at a guy like Van Persie and, and Adebayo, who are obviously holding a lot of responsibility for goal scoring, and some days they just don't look like they really, really want want it. Mm. I, I, I don't think it was a question of tactics on that particular occasion. And it's probably more valid to... to talk about that when you're talking about European games and obviously it's in Europe that Arsene Wenger has used that 4-5-1 formation. Yeah, you only have to remember the the best one of the lot in recent years when Arsenal won in the Bernabeu and went into that game on the back of absolutely horrendous run of form and nobody really gave Arsenal a, a chance in hell of getting anything at Real Madrid at that time. Mm, I think maybe. And the quality of performance was exceptional and every single player on the night was magnificent and you know it can be done so I think the players have to look at themselves a bit and they know they let themselves down I mean is there a difference though between the quality of player that we had that night in the Bernabeu and the quality of player that we had uh, at the Stadium of Light particularly across the midfield area yeah, but, but absolutely. I mean, actually, at the at the back, Arsenal were incredibly inexperienced for that game. Um, if you recall, I think that was when uh, Ebue, um had just come over from Ivory Coast. Senderos was very young and was playing at centre back, uh, and, and Flamini was playing at left back. Mm, that's right. So it was a, it was an extraordinary back line that had that great run in the in the Champions League. Um, but yes, absolutely. The midfielder was hugely experienced at the Bernabeu and leading the line with Thierry Henry, and it uh, it worked magnificently. Okay, well, you spoke about the team being flat. 
And after the Fulham game, uh, the manager, I think, probably got a bit of a wake-up call. The fans did, too, because Arsenal just did not uh, perform that day. The whole game was, was just the same. And um, there were sort of hints that, that the players thought uh, they really just had to turn up and, and beat Hull. Uh, where is the problem? Um, because obviously the manager is preparing the same way that, that, he, that he's always done and motivating the team. We saw that um, document that, that came out and he was talking about you know everybody playing for each other, etc., etc., etc. But that's obviously not transmitting itself to the pitch. Um, we can come back to this uh, issue of um, leadership on the pitch. Is that where the problem lies? Or do we need maybe a new voice in the dressing room? Um, you've, you've spoken before about maybe adding somebody to the coaching staff. Is that perhaps something we should be looking at? Well, obviously, if there's a if something's broke, you've got to fix it somehow. And whether that's the captaincy, whether that's a new voice in the dressing room, whether that's different personnel on the pitch, you know, Arsenal Wingers, you've got to make those calls. Um, but the thing about the whole game is, is you talked about it being like, you know, if you look at lots and lots of games, since Arsenal have been at Emirates Stadium, it's been a lot of late goals that have either won games that would have been drawn or drawn games that would have been lost. Mm. And actually, it's not stretching the imagination too much to imagine that that whole game could easily have finished either 1-1 and, you know, maybe they wouldn't have got two opportunities that they took Hull or 2-2 because one of the other chances that Arsenal had towards the end of the game might have gone in and and saved uh, Arsenal and everybody would have been talking about another good comeback hmm. I mean it's happened so many times you sometimes have to think it's maybe the law of averages it, it, it just didn't didn't come to come through against Hull it could have done or by the same token there could have been a load of other games you can go back to the very first game at Emirates was it against um, Aston, Villa. Aston Villa that it was a, an extremely late goal that nicked a point and you know that's that's happened time and again um, so the, I think the resilience sort of is there to an extent but it's just this flatness and this lack of spark uh, that is is so concerning. And you just have to look at players like, you know, Adebayo decided that he wanted to stay at Arsenal or, or perhaps that decision was taken for him because a bid never really came in. But he doesn't seem to have the same desire as he had last season when he was trying to prove himself um, and, and show that he was the man to fill Thierry on his boots. Van Persie, who was such, so long out with injury, we all know, nobody, you know, everybody expects it to happen again. It's so ridiculous. But he doesn't look like he's dying to, you know, to score goals and, and, and play well and, and be the star and make it all happen. Um, and, you know, obviously, we we, we all know that everything revolves around Cesc Fabregas and perhaps he is a little bit tired after the season he had and then the summer t- tacked on to the end of it with the Euros and maybe that's slightly part of the problem is that a fully firing Fabregas does encourage everybody else to perhaps put that little bit extra in as well What about the the, the line of thinking that, that maybe Cesc isn't as effective when you take away uh, a player like Flamini, who who did so much work, um, who was uh, sort of a dynamo in midfield, uh, never stopped running, always tackling, always tra- uh, tracking back, which allowed Fabregas that, that more uh, freedom uh, to express himself and and to to uh, really take uh, take on that part of his game, which saw him score all those go- goals early on. In- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The season as well. Yeah, I think... <laughs> In a way, I, I don't think there have been that many occasions where uh, you've really sat there and thought, oh, Arsenal missed family. Because well, it, thought... it wasn't that type of player. But in terms of what he contributed, as you say, that dynamism, but do you remember family's face during games? Yeah. Remember that expression on his face when he looked like he was spitting at, 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 at people who had so much fire and energy and... Mm. And the way he, he he had those kind of mad, crazy eyes when he used to look at his teammates sometimes when something was going on and, and clapping his hands and shaking his fist to get everybody going. That lacks in this current team as much as the actual running and tackling and football work that Flamini did. It's it's that it's the attitude that he he had and he transmitted to to the players around him. Um, with all due respect to Danielson and Song and players like that who have come in and are doing their best. They don't have that kind of charisma, is not quite the word, but that they don't transmit the same level of, of desire and energy. And as if they were going to get hold of their teammate in the dressing room if they weren't giving it a proper shift and say, God's sake, what's the matter with you? You know, mm. Put yourself together or we're going to lose to this lot. And I think family probably did do a fair amount of that. So there is that, that voice and that character and those expressions that, somebody on the pitch has got to really provide them and it doesn't seem to be coming from anybody except Fabregas. He's the only one capable of giving any of that kind of attitude to spread around the team. Mm, But he's got enough to do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, let's not try and um, keep it uh, negative for the whole time. Um, Maybe, I know it's it's difficult, I know, but uh, maybe if there is a time in the season to uh, to have a little struggle and to to drop some points that it's early on is is much better than doing it late on uh, in the season. Look, Arsenal, Am I clutching at straws here? Or? <laughs> criticised like hell last season for falling away at the end, weren't they? The business end of the season, the sharp mm. end. You know, we all had our cliches out, and yes, it was true that was the period where it all fell apart. But um, the concerning thing is that. A good springboard is is what gives you momentum. Uh, I'm sure Arsenal, I mean, he, he said it, that he really wanted to have a good start. Um, and I read somewhere that I think it took 31 Premiership games for Arsenal to lose twice mm. last season, which just goes to show what a magnificent start the, the team had last year. But to, to have almost lost three after such a short period... 
um, doesn't exactly <laughs> fuel fantastic confidence. But basically, you know, Man United last season had probably a worse start than Arsenal have had at the moment. Um, and they're not having a brilliant start this time around. So, provided the quality of the team and the desire of the team is there, you can make up for a, a, an iffy start. Although I think this season it might be perhaps a little bit more difficult because Chelsea do look stronger than they were last year. But if you give up now, it's a completely waste of time. And I don't think that Arsenal will be, that's for sure. All right, Amy, uh, thanks very much. We, we better leave it there for now. Cheers. Thanks to Amy, and she'll be back on another Arsecast in the very near future. Um, I love when Amy's on because she talks so much um, great stuff, which means I don't have to talk as much, which means you don't have to listen to me as much. That's why everyone loves Amy, you see. So she'll be back soon, I hope. Uh, Coming up, uh, still um, other stuff. You know all the stuff that you've just already listened to? Well, different stuff to that. I uh, don't quite know what it is, though, but now the man in the bar is here. Hello again, and welcome to another old player history right here on the Earthcast. Now, oh, we thought the corner had been turned, didn't we? That game against Porto, we're thinking, well, everything's back to normal. The lads have learned their lesson, and they're going to go out, and they're going to give Sunderland the thrashing of a lifetime. Well, unfortunately, that didn't turn out to be the case, and I have to say I took what happened against Sunderland quite personally indeed. It's because of the very terrible history I have with Roy Royston Keane, the manager of Sunderland, you see. As you all know, he's an Irishman, and I'm an Irishman, and, well, we're leaving aside all the bit about him not going to the World Cup, because, frankly, I don't really care about that. But I was sitting in a bar one day and having a few pints. There I was, down in Cork, for some good reason that I can't quite recall now. But it's completely irrelevant to the story anyway. So I went down and there was Roy Keane sitting there with his family, his wife and his children and his parents and, and his dog. You know the dog, he takes it everywhere. So I was passing by on me way to have a slash because I was full up to the heart with beer at that stage and I said to him, oh, you're Roy Keane, aren't you? And he said, yes, I am. And I said, I've got something to say to you. And he said, well, what's that then? And I said, you, sir, are a complete and utter cunt. And he said, oh, here, Jesus. I'm just trying to have a quiet drink, you know, could you leave it out? Says I, you're coming the big time Charlie with me. Is that what it is, you fucking country? And he said, Look, come here, man. I'm, I'm here with me kids and me, me wife and me parents. I'm just trying to have a point and read the Sunday paper. You know, what's the story? Can you leave it out? And I said, Oh, you'd like that, wouldn't you? You'd like me to leave it out, but I'm not going to leave it out because you'd like me to leave it out. So in that case, I'm not going to leave it out, you fucking mono brown bollocks here. So he says, look, if you don't stop, I'm going to get up or I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Oh, says I, you provocative concha. Well, it descended into madness from there, and I have to say I still bear the scars to this very day, both physical and mental. So, when we failed to beat Sunderland the other day, it cut me very much to the quick. So much so that I was thinking of player histories for players that are currently with us. Hoping, fervently wishing that they would be ex-players so I could do their player history. And so I wouldn't have to be feeling as bad as I am about not beating Sunderland. 
that's how upset the whole thing got me. Yes. So for today, there's no player history. But those boys are on my list. And I ain't gonna get them soon. Oh, you better believe it. More from the man in the bar on next week's Arscast. Now, blogging is a wonderful thing, is it not? It's a way of communicating your thoughts and ideas and your emotions, your feelings, your beliefs about football or anything else. It's brilliant. I sit down, I type, and there it is. It's out in the web. And I know you guys comment, but it is kind of a one-way thing because your comments are generally about what way you're going to cook your duck that evening or where you can get the limited edition new Boy George album. So it's always nice when you uh, get in touch via email or via the profile on oleole.com or you know the way you cut the letters out of the newspaper and you stick them to another piece of paper and you say, hey, Iris Blogger, I'm going to cut your head off and stuff. Uh, you know, even though you never do. But I appreciate it all the same. And we do, of course, have the, we have the, uh, the phone line. And some of you use that. More of you are using that. And I would encourage you to use that. We can't use every communication. It's just not possible. But however, however, there are those of you that have taken the time to do so. And uh, I feel I should share some of them with the, the rest of the listeners. I think we've had our very first Arsblog death. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not trying to bring everybody down. Because it is a Friday and we're all looking forward to five o'clock when we can go and drink beer and stuff. But Spontaneous combustion, I think, is what happened. And the reason it happened is lack of transfer activity. So we can really blame Arsene Wenger about this. Now have a listen. Oh, hi there, blogger. Um, time to say what a great job it is that you've been doing. Um, nothing, nothing too much. To say, uh, uh, just one thought about the fact that we didn't buy enough players in the summer, so that maybe now we're getting some injuries. We 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 might be thinking that we should have bought a few more players, and then maybe in the January transfer window we might not buy anyone either, and we might get some more injuries, and then towards the, towards the summer time we might not have bought enough players. Well, I hope you're happy now, Arsene Wenger. A man is dead, and you know he's dead because he made the the self-exploding noise. No self-respecting person makes their self-exploding noise unless they're actually going to self-explode. All this could have been avoided, of course, by actually signing some players. But no, you had to go your own way. You take your own path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scant comfort that is for the family of that man who went... Oh, maybe you'll send a wreath. Perhaps a basket of fruit. Two boxes of bourbon creams. And you might think that'll make it better. Well, the fruit and the wreath won't, but two boxes of bourbon creams kind of fixes everything. There is no problem in this world that cannot be solved by two boxes of bourbon creams. Honestly. If you were to sit down, the Israelis and the Palestinians, and say, hey, look, come on. And they're going, you go, look, I've got two boxes of bourbon creams here. I've got one for both sides, but you've got to promise to be friends from now on. They'd be like, 
Oh, okay. All right, then. We'll stop our madness. People shouldn't underestimate the power of bourbon creams, you know. <clears throat> Injuries. We've got some. Despite the fact our players are away on international duty, William Gallas has been pulled out of the French squad because he's got a an injury, a thigh problem, I believe. Whereas Robin Van Persie's out of the Dutch squad with a hamstring injury. They haven't even played a game yet, and they're both fucking knackered. However, given the form of both of them, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. Juru could come in for, for Gallas. Juru could add some height, some actually challenging for headers, and we could see Bentner or Vela in for Robin Van Persie. And Vela is kind of this left-footed forward as well, but he doesn't seem quite as slow to get the ball onto his left foot as, as Van Persie. Oh, I like Van Persie. I think he's tremendously talented and what have you, but maybe he could just do things a little bit quicker, like me. As a footballer, I'm renowned for my great pace and quickness of, of um, movement and thought and... No, that's not working at all, is it? There was good news midweek, though, when we um, we got debuts, albeit in the reserves for uh, Mikael Silvestre uh, and Amari Bischoff. The man who Arsenal found, he was a homeless man. He was living on the streets of Bremen. He was living there, and uh, he just happened to have an Arsenal shirt. And Arsene Wenger was walking by one day because he likes the pastries from the shop. It's called uh, Fritz's. Yeah. And he likes the pastries they have there. And he, he went after training one day and he said, look at that homeless man wearing an Arsenal shirt. I know. I've brought through experienced players. I've brought through young players. I've bought experienced players who have been in the doldrums, and I have regenerated, rejuvenated their careers. But nobody, nobody has made a homeless man a first-team footballer for a Premier League team. And this became his obsession, you see. He took Bischoff, brought him back to London, made up some kind of story about an injury. There was no injury. There was no injury. They just had to get him to lose the three extra stone he was carrying. So far, they've got him to lose two of those stone. And a Maori Bischoff, the world's first homeless professional footballer, because he still lives on the streets. He has a shopping trolley and some blankets and bags, and he, he sort of spends most of his time outside training in Battersea Park. That's what he does. He, you can't make a leopard change their spots at this time. But he played 56 minutes for the reserves the other day and apparently did all right. I'm not quite sure what criteria they were judging him by, a professional footballer criteria or homeless person that's been dragged off the street to play for a professional football team. I don't, I don't know. But he's done all right. And who are we to criticize? So I say go... A Maori Bischoff. That's what I say. 
The dame walked into the room without knocking. From the way she walked, I could tell she had a vagina like a long abandoned quarry. My favorite kind of quarry. I was sitting there watching the rain, smoking menthols and drinking gimlets. Are you a Maori Bishop, private eye? She asked. I don't see anybody else here, I said. What about that guy there, she said. Oh, that's just my friend Trevor. He's over fixing the Atari. Ignore him. You ever play Pong? Only at weekends, she said. Ain't you gonna offer a lady a drink? I ain't sure if you're a lady or not, I said. What do you want? I want you to follow someone. Why, I said. Because I want to know where they go and what it is they do when they get there. Yeah, that makes sense, I suppose. So how much is this gonna cost me, she said. Lady, I said, that all depends on how much you're willing to lose. What does that mean, she said. I, I don't know, I said. I just saw it on the back of a book. I thought it was kind of cool. So, uh, that's really about it for this week's Arsecast. Not much else happening, is there? No. No Arsenal tomorrow means no looking ahead, no team news, no speculation about the result, the performance, about who it is on the team that we hate. I mean, the other team, not our team. I think it's quite clear who it is on our team we hate. That's right. The man who doesn't have the bourbon creams. But let's not get bogged down in the lack of biscuity stuff. How many teams have been ripped apart because somebody brought jammy dodgers instead of the biscuits they were supposed to bring? Nobody really likes jammy dodgers, do they? They're kind of all that stale and the jam. You know it's just the reject jam. It's not the good jam. It's not good strawberry jam. It's just reject jam that they have... Ugh. Nobody likes Jammy Dodgers. Nobody with any sense, anyway. So until next week's Icecast, you have yourselves a good weekend and a good week next week, and I'll be there on the blog every day, every day. So you have yourselves fun times. Uh, until next, Icecast, cheerio. Hello? Hi, uh, did you bring Frost Blubber? Yeah, come on in. Oh, no, uh, if you could just sign here, please. Uh, that'd be great. Thanks very much. All right. All right, uh, what could this be? Hmm, interesting. Oh, cool, look. Letters cut out of the newspaper. Dear Iris Blogger, you are a cunt. You have the head of a cunt, and your face is the head of a cunt with a cunt on the top of it. I hope you die, and I hope when you go to hell that you're forced to drink your own piss 
And the piss of Teddy Sheringham. Oh, fuck, that's a bit harsh. The piss of Teddy Sheringham for all eternity. Uh, as a token of my appreciation, please accept this pack of jammy Dodgers. Sometimes I just shouldn't open the post. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.